Welcome to Rich Conversations. Mati Segurer joins us from Munich, Germany. He's a physics student at the Technical University of Munich. We discuss the cultures and things to do in Germany to start off. And then Mati shares how he became interested in physics and technology. He gives a brief breakdown of physics concepts to understand and the people behind them. Physics teaches a person how to think by going through the scientific process and falsifiability. Mati reveals whether time travel is possible, because I know that's on everybody's mind. Fundamentally, though, like physics is about discovering truth, and it helps us in many fields and allows us to better understand the future. Curiosity is the most important truth. And uh, after this conversation, too, I've, I've kind of, um, those around me kind of know about this, but I've been exploring physics and like quantum theory on my own to, you know, just like kind of explain some of the things I'm experiencing in life. And, uh, you know, essentially everything is made up of matter and uh, it's broken down into these very, very small parts that make up the world. And it's so interesting to talk to Matsi and have him share and enlighten us on a lot of these concepts. So it was a really fun conversation. You can follow Matsi on Instagram at Matsi underscore. Now, let's talk physics. All right. Welcome to Rich Conversations. We have another fabulous episode. I'm here actually recording, not in our typical setup, but uh, my friend's apartment, Justina, she's been on the podcast before. So we have some lovely plants in the background. We have uh, train tracks outside the apartment, so we might hear a little bit of noise. And we also have uh, two lovely cats that that come around. Um, But we are joined all the way from Munich, Germany by... Matthias, Matsi, Matze, uh, Matze. Ah, ah. something I gotta it's, get better it's fine, on the pod it's is fine. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show. I'm glad I'm here. Yeah. Why don't you? Nice, uh, nice to meet you. Yes, you as well. Uh, why don't you briefly introduce yourself for uh, listeners and viewers? Okay, I'm uh, Matze. So uh, the uh, full name would be Matthias, but everybody just calls me Matze. I'm from Munich, as already mentioned, and I'm studying physics at the Technical University of Munich. And uh, in my free time, when I have any, I um, I like to spend time with friends, if I can, due to COVID, and um, make music, sports, but I have an injury, so can't do so much right now. And um, also, I discovered computer science for me now. So... Yes. And so learning you, learning languages a little bit. Wow. So yeah, you're a busy guy. Uh, what? How long have you lived in Munich for? My whole life, and okay. um, now I've I'm not living directly in the city. Okay. Um, so um, when I was two, my parents moved outside of the city because I have an older sister and a younger brother, and the flat got too too little. So now okay. um, we're living in a house. Got it. Uh, outside. What would you say, like the general vibe is of Munich? I would say it's. Um, you you can't say there's one general. It's um, okay, but I think that's for for most of the cities. 
Um, but uh, there's kind of kind of the cliche of uh, that the Munich people in Germany that the Munich people are snobby, and uh, yeah, and a little um, a lot of a lot of kind the rich kids. Um, yeah. They are uh, also superstitious, but I think that's true for some people, but not for most of the people that I had an experience with. Okay. So. Um, You get you get kind of two worlds and everything in between, but um, I think the people who are originally from outside of the city and also in the city because there are also a lot of people who came from other parts of Germany, um, they value um, nature a lot. So okay. we have a beautiful river in the city, and when uh, even if it's cold outside in the winter, if the sun comes out. All the people are there, and um, we have a huge garden, uh, a park which is called the English English Garden. Okay. So this would be translated to English Garden, and it it starts a little bit outside the city center, but in the city and goes I think about 20 kilometers out of the city. So I think okay. it would be about 13, 14 miles, okay. and uh, alongside the river. So um most of the people are connected to the nature i think and um also um spending time outside of the city like doing sports or something would you say it's a how would you describe it compared to other cities in germany okay uh i have to admit i haven't been to so many cities in germany I've been to, uh, I don't know how exactly you would pronounce it in English, Cologne, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Because Cologne, uh, my, Cologne, Cologne, because my mother is from there. Okay. And um, it's, I, I think uh, the first thing that I, that I would think about is that you have the, um, how to say this in English, the, Bavarian chillness, kind of. Okay. So um, you have you have a lot of subcultures in Germany, and if I think about Cologne, I think about uh, Carnival because that's a huge, a huge thing there. And here in Germany, in, in Munich, we have like the Bavarian traditions, the clothing and and the um, Gelassenheit. It, it is called and. Um, They have this in in other cities too, like yeah. in Berlin, where I was also. But it's it's uh, every every city has kind of its its uh, own taste of of this chillness and company with other other people. Yeah. So th that's uh, very specific to to the to the cities, I think. So is Munich more like uh, you're saying nature before? Is it people? Uh, people in like Bavaria are a little bit more. Yeah, I think Bavaria and also the the other um, the other state. I don't know how to, uh, what what the English name is. Baden-Württemberg. It's right next to Bavaria, and okay. they are both uh, two of the uh, biggest uh, states in the south. So both on the on the um, on the Alps, um, okay. and uh, so huge mountains, a lot of lakes. It sounds relaxing. Yes, it is. A lot of uh, a lot of forests, also. By the way, um, uh, a lot of fields, also. Okay. And and where I live, there are also a lot of um, 
small fests in the in the spring. So, mm. uh, do you know the Oktoberfest? Yeah, the, I think most Americans are familiar with Oktoberfest. Yes, it's like uh, a small Oktoberfest in more or less every little village. Okay. So uh, every weekend you have the spring uh, some some of them anywhere. Nice. Then you you can go from one to the other. Uh, what would you say, like, if someone were visiting for a week or so, a few days to a week, what would you recommend them doing? I would uh, I would split this into three parts. So okay. in the city, in the greatest city area, and in the in the region. So in the city, I would, as I already said, visit all, uh, of course the river, uh, the English Garden, then um, a rooftop bar. Okay. There, there are a few. Uh, one of them actually at my university. We okay. have a great view over the city. Then, of course, um, a traditional um, Bavarian restaurant, which is called is called a Wirtshaus. Okay. This one of the greatest, uh, maybe, is the uh, Hofbräuhaus, Münchner Hofbräuhaus, um, which is really, uh, really famous. And then the um, you can go from the Isar Tor, it is called. So so you have you had an old uh, city wall, and you have um, more uh, a few old um, doors of, through the city halls, and you can go from one to the other straight to the to the uh, through the old city. Oh and, wow! Uh, there's also a huge market, and uh, then you you kind of see. Most of the things in the city. Uh, what so, did you mean by like um, uh, old city? You mean like uh, what do you mean by that? Yeah, it's it's not it's not the uh, one of the oldest cities in in Germany. So um, okay. I think Cologne is uh, way older, but it's okay. it was uh, I think founded in twelve uh, hundreds or twelve to fifteen hundreds. Okay. And you have uh, a few buildings over uh, a few hundred years old, and um, yeah, that's uh, that's the old city center. And you can go, as I said, from one uh, from one tent to, to the other. Wow, cool. Um, then, if you have a little bit more time and um, can go farther, I would recommend to go to one of the lakes near okay. the city. So, a few of them you can. Um, actually visit with with um, the public transportation and um, that's that's kind of more like uh, regional transportation but you can also go to go to the mountains or if in the in the winter you also see in the city people with uh, skis and snowboards in the trains because okay. they're going snowboarding and skiing um, yeah if it's summer then going hiking and if you have uh, more time, then you can uh, visit some of the uh, other other cities nearby. So, okay. um, also Austria is pretty near. So I would recommend visiting Austria for the mountains or for the cities. And yeah, I think that's about it. Nice. Um... Yeah, Germany is a place I definitely want to uh, to visit. Taking some have notes. You ever been? 
I haven't been. I haven't been yet. If you're here, uh, then text me or write me an email. Yeah, for sure. I can show you around. <laughs> yeah, uh, Germany is definitely a place to go. Is the public transportation really good? Yeah. Uh, you know, um, you get where you want to be, but it, it uh, often takes a lot longer than you think it would take. Okay. So, um, especially if you if you do public transportation uh, over longer distance, then in the summer there was a huge chaos and you sometimes have to wait five hours for the train to, to start. Really? Or something. Yes. It was, yeah. it was, it was because of the, um, of the, um, I don't know the, the vocabulary, the climate, uh, climate machines in the inside of the trains. How do you say it? Like, uh, uh air conditioning, air conditioning oh, and the okay. trains didn't work. Okay. And it was about, uh, I don't know. Are you familiar with the Celsius scale? Because I don't know Fahrenheit. Uh, no, not yet. Okay. It's something I have to start learning about though. That's for sure. Celsius. I, uh, we used to do Airbnb and at one point, I think we had a, a few different times people from Germany visit, uh, I don't know exactly where this couple was from, but they left a, a thank you note when they left. And they had mentioned that every American Airbnb that they've been to, there was at least one clock that was wrong. Is that, is that anything? Is your clock right? Are all your clocks right? I think, yes. Is that like a... a you mean like uh, German have to have all... Of yeah, all everything precise and, and everything like in line? Or is that yeah, a stereotype? It, it, it depends on the type. It's, it's a stereotype that sometimes gets, uh, gets um, validated. So yeah. My, my brother, for, for example, he, um, he changed his clock about a few days ago. Okay. Because in Germany, we have, the, we have a um, time changing from winter to summertime. Okay. And this was in October, and he did it a few days ago. So nice, nice. Not not everybody. <laughs> yeah, it's based on individuals. That makes sense. Yes. Um, so something I'm curious about is you're studying physics. What sparked your interest in physics originally? I think uh, it was always a fascination for technology. So when I was little, I remember about i don't know eight nine years old or something and every time we had a electrical device um go broken i would take it apart okay sometimes i could fix it but not not most of the times and i i, I wanted to know how it works and then uh to be honest when i was finished in school i didn't know what to do <laughs> mm. Then I thought about that, and then I started uh, studying electrical and information uh, engineering. Okay. Or, or um, more precisely, uh, electrical and information technology was the was it called? Okay. But then um, I switched to physics after one semester because um, I was more more curious about the um, 
deep underground over the principles that you that you learned. And I I already had one physics class. Um, the other ones were more like engineering, but um, I'm still interested in the application of the knowledge. So um, in physics, you if, if you get into physics after physics bachelor, then it's uh, very abstract. Okay. So there are four speci specific types you can choose for the masses at my university. And the most common one is uh, about... Um, Nucleus, uh, particle, and astrophysics, and it's either about the very small or the very vast. But it's not you can you can't gra grasp it, so it's it's very abstract, and you're just designing some um, some particle accelerators or detectors or something, and then you see the um, the result on the screen. So it's not not like what I think about as practical. Okay, so, so you're more practical. You want to figure out how to put it into play and 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 work with something. So, okay, um, that's what, what, uh, why I really like the um, the lab courses that we, uh, I had and also having now. So I, you're... I already wrote about the experiments. Okay, so you're already doing experiments and. Uh... Are you one of these things, nuclear particle or astrophysics? No, um, I was originally. I originally wanted to um, to go to applied and engineering physics. Okay, but now I switched to biophysics. Biophysics. Because, yes. Interesting. Because I have a, a topic for my bachelor's thesis, which is um, uh, in this direction. So. I asked the professor what he thinks and uh, said uh, bio uh, biophysics would be the best choice for this. And he also said for the future, I think it would be uh, very important. So um, it's already a, a, um, a rapidly uh, growing, uh, growing market. What, okay. Yeah, elaborate on what biophysics is. Okay. Um, that there, I have to say, one masters that I that I was thinking about to take was matter to life. It, it was called matter to life, okay. which was also something I um, I was curious about. Curious about because, as I learned in school, that basically everything is made out of atoms. Then I thought, okay, I'm made of made out out of atoms, yeah. and the stone is as well. Why am I living and the stone isn't, or is it maybe? <laughs> um, okay and that's um that's i think what this masters is about so when does matter become life but uh, as i said i'm now doing at my bachelor's biophysics uh and i'm actually not doing a, a physics masters i'm i'm going to switch but biophysics is it's about uh, i already did an experiment there at the um, center for protein assembly and uh, it's about uh, it, the group. It was about uh, cell biophysics. So you, th uh, it was about. Uh, I just uh, want to explain it with an example. I think that's that's the easiest. It was about the molecular um, 
procedure that makes your muscle work. So okay. explaining explaining phys biological um, biological structures and how they function with physics and also a lot of chemistry and um, computer signings and uh, also in in this in this specific group with uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence and using this to um, make new new concepts to um, create new medicines interesting what would be like uh the first thing i thought of was like um like prosthetics is that is that kind of in that realm or no yeah i actually saw something about this a few days ago and I think it's more like uh, classical mechanical engineering, but also there's um, the interface where you can yeah. uh, kind of can use the um, signals from the human nerves to actuate the the, um, the robotic uh, extensions. But okay. uh, I think that's more uh, neurobiology than biophysics. Okay. So then what would be an example of a uh, like medicine from it? Um, that's not uh, actually the part that I would do. So okay. I don't know yet. Maybe I okay. get a little bit involved in it. But um, the, um, the thing that the group that I'm going to join or joined is doing is um, they take human cells from... Um, Oh, uh, don't know the second one. Is it is it pancreas in English too? Mm -hmm. it, yeah, yeah, uh, the pancreas from um, pancreas. They take uh, cells from breast and pancreas cancer, and then they uh, put them in a dish and let them uh, grow to little organoids. They're called, yeah. and then they analyze them with a microscope. And my part would be to um, predict how it would grow. And then you um, take your newly created medicine and treat the, um, the organoid in the dish with it. And then you compare it to what your prediction would be if you hadn't treated it with the, with the drug. Interesting. So you're, you're kind of applying the like on an atomic level what would happen to this matter i don't think we are going that deep on the <laughs> on the cellular and molecular level okay because uh, okay. we're using optical microscopes and getting pictures of atom atoms is uh, pretty hard okay so then you would have so atoms are the smallest matter. molecules are bigger and no you can go even smaller but that's another story wow dang but um, that's, uh, that's also one thing that fascinated uh, me a lot when I first heard it. Um, as I said, you can go smaller than atoms. Of um, how many things is everything around you and everything you've ever seen uh, build up? How many different basic building stones are there? For, for, from what you can see, there are more, but yeah. from what you can see and... Like, are we talking with. in my immediate space right now? 
on the whole planet. Yeah. It's a lot. Like a lot, a lot. <laughs> so oh no, 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 not the numbers, uh, not the number of how many, okay, but uh how many different types I meant. Oh okay. how many different types of basic building blocks. What do you think? I I would okay, it's either a small amount or a really large amount. I'm gonna say a small amount, like five different types. Actually, it's only three. Three? Okay. I was I was close. I was like Yeah, it was close. Okay. And then it was the, the right uh, the right idea. So everything so, in the world is made up of like three kinds of uh, three kinds of building blocks. Yes. So the the difference in everything you can see and you can you interact with comes from how it is built, not from what it is actually. Not what it is, how it's built. And uh, one thing that's also pretty uh, pretty awesome, I think, is that if you go one level um, one level uh, higher. Then there's also three, because two okay. of them built another two, and then the mass, uh, most of the mass. So, what you experience when you get on a scale comes from energy. So mm. you have protons and neutrons, and ninety or over ninety-eight percent of the mass is energy, and the protons and neutrons are built out built up of um, up and down quarks but they only made up uh, made up um two percent of the mass the rest is binding energy so binding energy makes up 98 percent of the mass binding energy let's back up for a second how would you describe okay. physics in uh, a simple terms in simple terms okay um, I, uh, I also thought about that and uh, what, what I some, uh, sometimes learned at university was it's, um, developing theories in order to make predictions about the future. So what's happening, what will happen? And a more poetic way to, to say would be <laughs> try to understand the universe and everything inside of it. Okay. Which is not false. Yeah. Um, and uh, a, a more pragmatic way to think about it would be understand and predict interactions of particles and accumulations of particles. Say, so say that again. From molecules, molecule, molecules up to an airplane. Okay. But I think this would be then more like engineering. Okay. But uh, you can't do engineering without physics. So, so physics can be applied to absolutely everything. Yeah, there are there are some black spots, I would say, and. Um, 
one of the huge uh, black spots is like uh, dark energy or dark matter. I don't know if you okay. ever heard about it. I'm drinking uh, dark matter coffee right now. I don't know if you can see that. <laughs> what is yeah, so? What does that mean? See. Dark matter. Yeah, um, the name is the program, as as, uh, as you would say it in in German. So uh, dark matter is called because it is dark, which means it doesn't interact with light, and that's why it's so pretty damn hard to detect it. Okay. And that's also why we haven't detected it yet directly. But um, there are, are few things in the in the universe out there about, for example, the radial velocity of galaxies, which um, if you calculate the mass of the galaxy, then calculate how, how fast it should spin so that um, the gravity that pulls the planets and stars to the inside and the force because of the spinning that pulls them um, to the outside cancels out, then you get that they're spinning too slow. So one explanation would be that there's another type of matter that we haven't seen yet because okay. there are only four basic, basic forces and two of them only play a role in the... Um, under the atomic scale, okay. the other two are the electromagnetic force and gravity. So you can see the effect of gravity, but you can't detect it with electromagnetic forces. That would be light. So that's why it called, uh, is called dark matter. Wow. Okay. And also kind of because, uh, I think, because... We don't know anything about it, really. <laughs> no, nobody, nobody knows what it could be. Um, it's it's a huge mystery, and I th I'm sure there are a lot of uh, wild theory theories about it, what it could be. Uh, and I uh, and I also had a um, an exercise about it, and there was um, it was about the the rotation of the galaxies, and okay. then calculating down how much matter there would have to be in order that it uh, would fit the data data and this would mean that you have now 500 dark matter particles in your body if this is the right theory how many five 500 yes it doesn't seem like a lot is it i don't know <laughs> it, it is not a lot it is not a lot if you think about um that in uh, in one cubic centimeter of air, for example, you have ten to the power of twenty three particles. So a one with twenty three twenty three zeros. Okay. Huh. Then five hundred is uh, not many. Yeah. Yeah. That's in like an average human, like a generally. The particles in the average human, you mean totally? You said yeah. 500, right? Also, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know exactly what what numbers we used, but huh. because because you have to calculate it with the with the volume, and I don't know exactly how much volume we we take we took. Something so maybe for for. 
Okay. Something, something I hear or read is that like the big breakthrough of the 20th century was physics and like the 21st century is looking like biology. Can you kind of, um, can, can you, can you say that again, the connection oh, connections for a second there? Something I hear in conversations or something that I read is that the 20th century, the big breakthrough was physics. And then the 21st century, it's biology now. Can you kind of describe what went on uh, studying physics in the 20th century that it, it became so profound? Um, a lot, really a lot. <laughs> Most of the things, yeah, yeah. Uh, sounds funny, but but it's uh, I'm not exactly um, I'm not um, um, searching for the words. Um, I'm not making it seem more important than it was because there were whole new fields evolving and uh, created in the 20th century. So. Um, as I already said, there are four basic forces, and it's yeah. uh, kind of always has been um, a huge goal to connect them all to one theory. Okay. So that has worked for three of them in the 20th century. So you have the weak and strong nuclear, okay. nucle nuclear force and uh, the electromagnetic force, as I already said. And um, then Richard Feynman came along and um, invented the Feynman diagrams, where you can put a particle interaction that would um, have a formula to describe it, fill in a whole page in one simple diagram. And this makes it a lot easier. And um, then also the quantum field theory evolved, which means that the particles that you, that you think there are, are not actually there, but there are excitations in a field. So for every particle, and there are um, basic particles uh, in the standard model are, I think, let me for, think for a second. You have six quarks, six leptons, and then I think nine bosons and then the Higgs boson. So okay. about 20 or 30 basic particles. And the interaction between them you can you can describe with the Feynman diagrams. But uh, then it, it, the, it, it was a theory from the 20th century, which was also huge. Where do they get their mass from? Mm. Because not all of the mass is, as I said, binding mass. And there was this theory in the 60s or 70s about the Higgs boson, which was, which was then discovered in 2015. This is the, what did you and say? The, um... Higgs boson. Say that again. Um, did then, you say um, the, the... Can you repeat it again? Higgs boson. Higgs boson. Named, named after Peter Higgs, H-I-G-G-S. Yeah, the Higgs, the Higgs, okay. The Higgs, yes. So what did and, that say? That was uh, about the mass? Yeah, yeah. Um, there's the Higgs mechanism that gives every other particle the mass. 
acting with these uh, this Higgs boson. And um, in the lecture, my professor had a analogy for this. It's like if you're a waiter at a party, okay, and there are no people, then you can walk through through the hall, no problem. But if you're a waiter with a with a lot of drinks, and then there's a party with a lot of people, then you get stuck here, there, and everywhere. Yeah, and that's kind of what the Higgs field is. So there's a field all around us, which has um, a value at, at every point in space, and because every particle interacts with the field, they get mass. Okay. And then the other thing that I wanted to talk uh, about is Einstein. And then the math, um, uh, the mass uh, curves the space time. So then time and um, time and space are no longer constant, as you may have heard sometime. Is that have you the... heard about the theory of relativity? So is that E equals MC squared? That's the um, that's the general theory of relativity. That's that matter is equal to energy. Okay. Okay. That, so that was also Einstein. And another another. So these are two separate the, things. Yes. Okay. Go another, back to the first one. <laughs> okay, but uh, one thing I, I just want to mention and uh, can elaborate later is uh, quantum mechanics was invented in the twentieth century, mm. which is also really important. But um, yes, um, basically, if you increase your your velocity through th through space, then your velocity through time decreases. So, in one sentence, moving clocks tick um, slower because they have to actually physically move, and it takes up. Uh space in a way it takes more time because it's physical rather than if it was clear then the be... connection was lost for a second again oh sorry the connection uh, was lost again sorry so the clock moves slower in physical because there's more particles in the way rather than time there's nothing in the way it just happens right or it's um, it's not that the clock you you don't you should not think about the clock anything moving or something. Okay. It's uh, if I um, let let me make a um, thought experiment. If I would travel uh, with a huge speed, there's a mm -hmm. speed limit. You can't go higher than this speed, which is okay. the speed of light. But if I would travel close to the speed of light for one year. Then maybe for you on the earth, 10 years had passed. And for me, only one year. The problem with coming back and then being in the future is it's a little bit more complicated. But if you can solve this, then you could come back to the earth and uh, maybe 500 years had passed. And for you only, depends on how, how, uh, how fast you've been, maybe minutes or days and on the earth, uh, centuries or millennia. You just have to get fast enough. Okay. Would then your particles all still be the exact same? It would be for me like 10 minutes had passed. But the thing about this is 
you can't actually increase the time you live by this. Because for you, it's 10 minutes and you can do this over and over again. And on the earth, the, um, the time would pass very fast, but that doesn't change how you perceive the time for you. So you would still like live 80, 90 years, but you can more or less jump to the future. And I also, a lot of times when I, when I see something about this, is uh, time travel possible? Then uh, one of the best answers I think is yes, and you're doing it right now because we are all the time traveling into the future. Wow. It depends just how fast you do this. Hmm. And this means um, the other perspectives, uh, perspectives, perspective. If my clock is ticking slower, which happens when I'm moving faster then your clock would be ticking faster. That's why you could, if you could make it technically possible, but as I said, coming back and then returning uh, is a little bit more complicated because this only works for constant speed. Uh, so it's not that sure uh, if a round trip back to earth would work, but there's another way how you could do this. Okay. You just have to go, uh, maybe you, you saw the film Interstellar. I have not or but heard about it. People have told me about it. Yeah, and it's it's quite accurate. If you go um, near to a to a black hole, then the same thing happens. Your time goes slower, and then if you come back, fifty five years as uh, fifty two, I think it is in the movie, could have okay. passed in for you minutes. Wow. So do you see, uh, so what, what is the name of this theory called? Um, special uh, theory of relativity. And by the way, um, for a lot of things in physics, you may ask, how do I need this? Why, why do I need to know, to know this? And for this specific theory, um, GPS, only works with this theory because the GPS satellites in orbit are calculating your position depending on the on four satellites. Okay. Then they calculate the distance from each satellite to you by measuring the time the signal takes to you and back to the satellite. Therefore, they need really accurate yeah. clocks, uh, uh, more accurate than a nanosecond. So they are really fast spinning around the earth mm -hmm. and have a really accurate, uh, accurate um, clock. And if they wouldn't calculate for the time their clocks are spinning slower, then your GPS would be uh, false, I think, about three meter meters every hour, three meters more. Wow. So in a, in a day... Um, more than uh, 60 meters, 60, 70 meters. Your GPS would go wrong 60 meters every day. And uh, counting if you wouldn't um, consider the, um, the slower clocks for the satellites in the calculation. Okay. Wow. What, are, what other things can you use it for? Um, for example, um, discovering new physics 
it's always used or more or less it's just a byproduct um the it's the 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 math the basic math with this theory is pretty simple and you just have to calculate one factor and that's the factor how much your um time is stretching or uh, also your distance is um squishing which also happens by the way and um for the small particles that are getting accelerated in uh, Switzerland and fr- France at CERN, you may heard of heard about it. They are going so fast that they uh, experience time 40 times slower than we are. So there are some particles that live only a very short amount of time, but because we are experiencing the time uh, faster than they do, we think they're living longer about 40 times than they actually do because they're spinning so fast. Wow. And I think that this is also the, the high speeds that you can observe anywhere, except of light particles, okay. because they're uh, turning at the speed of light and you, you can't reach the speed of light because as, as you um, move faster, your, your mass is also increasing, which means you go. Um, you need to have more energy to go even faster, and then your energy, uh, your mass, is again increasing, and then you have to have inf- uh, an infinite amount of energy to actually reach the speed of light, which is obviously impossible. Mm. But that's not a really practical application for the average person, I think. You think we'll get there? You mean uh, like as a human species in the future? Going so fast to to um, experience the effects for time travel. You mean? Yeah, I heard the the lo- the yeah kind of longest um, the mean uh, the word longest kind of loses its meaning if you talk about time traveling. <laughs> uh, but the longest time travel uh, any human ever did was a Russian astronaut who was more than a year in space. And he did about 0.02 seconds uh, jump into the future, <laughs> which is not so much. No. But um, yeah, in, in, if, if you drive with your car, uh, you only have about uh, 0.00000000001 seconds. So it's... It's a different story, but I, th- I think, yes, maybe we will get there. I- I'm pretty sure we will get there. And there are a lot of ideas um, to accelerate that fast. Okay. Um, but it's all of them are a hard engineering problem. And, I can imagine. Um, I think <laughs> I think to time travel, because as I said, time traveling, we're doing all the time. If I wave my hand, uh, yeah. it's traveling through time slower than I am. So um, there's no uh, there's no discrete um, discrete um, difference where you can say I'm time traveling and I'm not. So mm-hmm. it's a it's a continuum. But um, like years or days. Probably this century, maybe, but uh, maybe the the, um, the idea with going to a huge mass and therefore going faster through time 
would be the more practical way because uh, you, then you don't have to accelerate that fast. But the problem is the next black hole is really far away. So you then again have to go really far and therefore get really fast. Yeah. Uh, can you break down what quantum mechanics is? Okay. Um, he's, he's like, I, here we I go. Have, <laughs> I heard, I heard, um, I heard, I don't know the name who it was again. Uh, he was asked kind of the same question and it was, can you uh, summarize quantum mechanics in one minute? And uh, there's, uh, I, I would uh, steal his, his idea. And okay, he, he kind of stole it too, because it was originally from Richard Feynman. Um, okay. As he was a student, there's a, a famous experiment in quantum mechanics. And he asked his professor, um, what would happen if you augment the, um, the experiment? And that would mean that you uh, think about a particle that goes from one to B. And then you think about every possible way it could go. Mm -hmm. And then you sum up every possible way multiplied by its probability that it would take this, this, uh, this way. And mm -hmm. then you get a distribu distribu dist distribution. Which uh, is in time and space, so the particle is no longer a physical particle, but it's a distribution function which evolves through space and time. And then, when you measure it somewhere, you measure it with uh, according to the um, to the probability distribution of that particle. Okay. And there are a lot of um, really weird things going on. <laughs> One, one of the weirdest I heard a few days ago is uh, called the quantum eraser, which okay. means um, if, you, um, if you have a ex specific experiment, then you have uh, a screen where you detect something, mm -hmm. and then you have uh, another screen with, where you detect something. But you detect on the other screen afterwards than on the first screen. But what you detect on the second screen influences what you detect on the first screen in the um, uh, in the past. So you okay. change the past by detecting or not detecting. Wow, that's wild. So quantum, uh... quantum, quantum. The the um, where it comes from. Uh, by the way. Um, Albert Einstein had his Nobel Prize for a quantum experiment, a quantum particle experiment, not for his theory of relativity. Okay. Because by that time, uh, most of the physicists about him thought he was crazy uh, because uh, everybody thought about, yeah, you have space, you have time, and they just go on and stay constant. And then he, th he, he says, okay, um, no, we have just one constant, and that is the speed of light. And that, uh, then he concluded that space and time can't be constant. So time can stretch and squish, and space too. But uh, that's kind of a wild idea. But now it's most of the uh, uh, one of the best proven theories uh, in the world, as quantum mechanics is too. And the Nobel Prize he got for the um, 
the explanation of the photoelectric effect, which means um, you have a light source and point it to a metal, and then you um, you can extract electrons. And okay. that only happens if the if the quanta of light have enough energy by their own. And that um, implicates that light is quantized. That's why it's called quantum uh, quantum theory or quantum mechanics mechanics, because everything is quantized, which means it comes in discrete packages. So you kind of can can split everything, but then you have something that you can't split any further, and that's the same with with energy and maybe also time and space, which means kind of um, there's not an infinity infinite solution of reality resolution of reality so like your screen reality is pixelated but on a very tiny scale okay and that's why it's called quantum mechanics because you have a quantum of light you have a quantum of energy you have a quantum of of angular momentum and by the way maybe you heard uh, the phrase quantum jump before? I think so, yeah. Or quantum leap. Quantum leap, yeah. Quantum leap. As, as we had it in the lecture, my professor said, you think that's kind of funny that it's called quantum leap because it's the smallest possible step you can take. <laughs> wow. It is funny. But I, th but I think it is called quantum leap when, when you say it, you mean a huge jump because... Um, for some experiments like uh, the photoelectric effect, you can have light with uh, um, a specific wavelength and frequency and energy. And then every each uh, quanta of light gives, this, gives the material a little bit of energy, but it changes nothing. And then if you, if you get the frequency higher, then suddenly the quantum jump happens. That's why I think it's called quantum leap. Because you, okay. you put in a lot of work and nothing happens and nothing happens. And then so suddenly then you have a quantum jump. Yes. Wow. Cool. But um, again, it's 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 the smallest possible jump. So <laughs> nice. Uh, let's see. How can we how can we apply concepts from physics and related sciences to solve problems of the 21st century? Okay, um, one of the people in, at my university in the first semester told us um, that we're teaching you how to think. Mm. And now I, I, I get what he means. Um, because you're, you're really doing problems and doing different theories, different, uh, different parts uh, of, of physics, but uh, the, the basic thing that you're learning is how to approach a problem. Mm. And then um, one of the um, one of the concepts in physics or for uh, most in exper experimental physics is to get the human out of the loop because you can trust you can't trust your own sensors. okay. So you always try to make a really objective measurement device. And that uh, that theme goes through whole physics. So 
it's you have the um, scientific method, which is based on keystone concepts, uh, concepts, so that it gives you kind of a cooking recipe for um, finding new truth, truths about reality. Yeah. And one of the most important things always in experimental physics is falsify falsifiability. And I had uh, uh, one evening where we had a meeting that was called Meet Your Prof, where we get together with our professors for a beer and talk about what they're doing at the work. Cool. And then one of the professors, uh, math professor originally, no, yeah, no, math professor, and then switched to uh, physical math. And another one, which was my um, my docent, uh, my lecturer for um, math for experimental physics, had an argument about string theory mm. because he did some string theory, and then uh, uh, Professor Bartel she said, "Yeah, uh, but it's the theory where you can kind of say anything, but a problem with it is you can't." falsifiable you can't falsify it okay because in order to do it because the the things uh, the strings would be so tiny you would need so much energy that you can't observe them and that's why it's kind of getting um, a bad a bad rap in the the physics community because okay. you can say anything but you can't uh, falsify it and that's mm. one of the most basic uh, concepts that you have a theory that you can falsify. And I yeah. think for uh, this concept is uh, really important that you can apply for, for a lot of things uh, mm. apart from physics. And so what, I, what I really like about um, physics and other related uh, fields is the, the kind of not uh, in an argument, in a discussion, it's not... I against you, then uh, it's more like you and me together discover the truth. And I like that. I think in a lot of fields, it's uh, or in a lot of uh, public arguments or discussions, it's it's the first one. So <laughs> I think the last one is better. And I always see this with my professors. If I say uh, that there's something wrong with something, or um, bring another idea up, then um, they always take the time and think about it and are not even single for a split second that they want to uh, make the point that they are right and I'm not. Because uh, they're as curious as I am about discovering the reality. So they're and not think, uh, they're not eager to dismiss you because they they want to find out if it's true or not, is what you're saying? the first part uh, was uh, was lost in the so uh, connection sorry so what you're saying is that it's like a community of curious people that are open to ideas and the goal is to like find truth ultimately yes okay. yes and they're always uh, thankful about uh, other other ideas um, I remember one of my uh, favorite professors was from Canada um, and he did the same topic um, 
the same lecture, but in it uh, as I already had in this semester, but uh, first of all in English, and then with a, a whole other concept of teaching, I, I would say. And uh, we were that time about uh, yeah 650 people in the in the year, and only about I think 20 or 30 got into his lecture because it yeah. wasn't uh, necessary because he already had the topic in another one, and it was um, it was more like uh, face to face with him, and almost all the time we uh, we stayed after the lecture with him and discussed other problems. Wow. Uh, sometimes for two hours or more and uh, he was he was really passionate about what he did and uh, you um, you could see how we influenced also his his way of thinking and uh, it was uh, kind of a magical experience where everybody learned from each other at the same time wow that's really cool and um, most of the time when I think back to school uh, it wasn't that way because most of the teachers I had, I think they just wanted to be right and think they know better than us. Yeah. And uh, I've never had this experience in university at all. Wow. And I think that's, uh, that's a huge part of the, of the scientific community all around the world. Wow. So what possibilities through science excite you most personally? Okay, um, um, one of the things um, that I definitely want to go into and uh, is also one of the things that uh, physics concepts can be applied to solve problems of the 21st century is climate change. So um, in a lot of different ways, or, or also now it's COVID, with uh, the first part measuring and um, creating knowledge and then innovating on the base based on that knowledge to um, to find solutions for example at my university there are a few projects for uh, or against climate change I would uh, rather have to say like um, like electric vehicles or um, or now the carbon carbon re re removal, uh, price or competition uh, it's uh, it's a X price competition uh, it's I don't know really what it is but it's kind of a competition where somebody says uh, I take a huge amount of money or something as a price and then you have to compete uh, you have to get into a competition and the Musk Foundation from Elon Musk made a price for 100 million dollars until 2025 for the best carbon removal system. So getting wow. the carbon out of the air. Um, then there's the Hyperloop initiative for long distance, fast transportation. Um, yeah, the, the, these are some of them. And um, another really, <laughs> really exciting topic, of course, is uh, space exploration. Okay. Which also, of course, has to go with, um, with, um, uh, a not environmental damaging technology. So there are also a lot of concepts. Like one of the, one of the funnier ones uh, I, I heard about lastly was um, kind of uh, uh, I don't know the, the exact English words. Uh, if you have a, a 
a powder tree. So, um, and then you take a stone and a rubber and you put it back and let it slingshot. Let it go. Slingshot, yeah, slingshot. Kind of a slingshot for rockets. Wow. So they have a huge, uh, uh, huge building where they rotate a rocket until it's six times faster or even faster than than uh, than sound, and then just let it go. And, and hope it's fast enough to stay in orbit. Um, so um, you have less uh, less uh, fuel burning, so it's better for the environment. But uh, yeah, I um, uh, I doubt that it will work soon. Yeah, because there are a lot of problems. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Um, who would you say? Or what, what are like three influences that have shaped your outlook on life? I mean, people. No. Uh, yeah, uh, let's go people. Okay. Um, I first uh, thought about actually, which, uh, which I was surprised by myself, um, Anne Frank. Have you ever heard that name? Anne Frank, I think you would. And, Anne Frank? Yes. Anne Frank, really? Have you heard about her? Oh yeah, yeah. We we've yeah. all read her book, her diary. Yeah, I uh, I was actually at the uh, garbage dump in in my village, and there we have a, a a place where you can put things that are good for other people to grab. Okay. And there, uh, I don't know, six years ago or something, I grabbed her 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 book there, and this was uh, actually the first one I thought about because. Of um, of the way uh, how hopeful and kind of not disturbed she go th- went through her day yeah. in that time in that place in that mm-hmm. situation. So she was uh, a little girl, stay getting up, doing her school stuff, learning French. And um, when I when I think about um, day-to-day problems from other people then i see how they complain about everything yeah sometimes i think about people like Anne frank i think yeah they were this this situation and they weren't complaining at all and loving what they're doing loving uh, to be to have the ability to learn to still hang out with some people and i think that's that's very inspiring and she was uh, pretty major i think for her age and yeah. uh, really, it's inspiring for the motivation to persevere in this extreme and long-lasting situations. And she didn't know how long it would last. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I think that's that's really inspiring. That's a great one. Do you have any more that you're inspired by? That's the second one. Is um, someone I uh, really uh, enjoyed listening to uh, a podcast, actually. Um. Lex Friedman. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard about him. Oh, Lex Friedman. Yeah, I like I like Lex. I I think it's pretty awesome, and I and I um, I'm on my way to catch up because I started at the at the first episode. Okay. Uh, when there were about 130. Okay. Um, and now I'm I think about 40 episodes. Um, still behind, but I catched up. So I catched up 90 episodes, but uh, man, he's he's really putting out two to five hours every week, and sometimes uh, 
two days in a row or nearly two days. It's, uh, yeah. it's I, I, I can't think about how he did this. But yes, um, uh, he has a great guess. I think if you if you heard him, then you mm-hmm. then you know. And it's uh, a lot of the time it's about technology and physics or yeah uh, or computer science. So that's what I like. But also the the philosophy part. That's uh, that's yeah. I, really I like enjoy that a lot. Uh, it's it's cool. To, he's he's like so intelligent and has this like beautiful perspective about the world and it's like philosophy that he's trying to explore. Yes. That's, that's really great because um, um, the connection uh, also with him about technology and philosophy, I really like. Mm-hmm. And um, as I um, someday I, I tried to f- figure out where physics came from and actually it, uh, it was created from nature philosophy and then emerged mm. from the field of philosophy physics so uh, we sometimes also had this in lectures where they say that the the idea of atoms by for example is really old it's more than 2000 years old from the old greek philosophers they thought okay if you always split something then you have to get down to the smallest splittable thing which they called the atom from atomos which is Greek for uh, not splittable. Okay. But as we now know, it is. But yeah. the name stuck. <laughs> um, and also the name electron. It was this, uh, was discovered later, but it's also from Greek. I think uh, I don't know the exact story about this. But but a lot of the ideas uh, or the basic building blocks of physics are from from old philosophers. Wow. And then who, who would be a third person? Um, not one, but but many. Okay. Um, and maybe uh, right now the most important, because I'm not sure if uh, if, I, if we would have this con- conversation right now if if it wasn't for them. Um, it's a it's a YouTube channel from uh, from the states from LA called Yes Theory. Have you heard about it by any chance? I have not. It's it's awesome. You, you have to you have to watch it. This is the first time I'm hearing about this. It's it's awesome. It's yeah. As I said, it's called Yes Theory, and uh, again, uh, they're doing what their name implies. It's about uh, the yeah of the the idea to uh, go out of your comfort zone and say yes to more stuff, and they are doing a lot of things to. Um, to show this to to for themselves and to other people. So, okay. actually, uh, most of the time at the beginning, I I've watched them for about I don't know three four years or something. Oh wow! Um, they did a lot of stuff with strangers and also still doing and uh, traveling around the world and meeting strangers or putting themselves in uncomfortable situations. For example, like. Um, surviving 24 hours in Istanbul without speaking the language or having any money or phone or something. Okay. And it always ends up in experiments with uh, strangers, which are friends you haven't met yet, as you may know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's, that's, uh, that's, uh, it's a, it's a great uh, way of, of living this idea. I think uh, how I see, th- yeah. I see it with them and um, yeah. 
that's one of the reasons I say yes to your invitation. Yeah, that's awesome. For the, for the podcast. Well, I have one last question for you. Uh, it's been a great conversation. What's something you're curious about recently? Okay. Um, should Could it be only one? Or? It's up to you. Your discretion. Okay. Okay. Um, it's not recently, but it's uh, it's been longer now. It's um, was September two thousand twenty-one. No, September two thousand twenty. It actually was yeah. where I had um, had. It was called Introduction to Scientific Programming at university and that reignited my um my interest for for coding in general okay and then i uh, because i uh the first time uh i was at um in the sixth grade i think you would call it extra curricular activities or something yeah something yes uh we we uh, had a kind of a mint program uh, STEM, it would be for you. STEM, okay. Science, technology, don't know. Engineering, uh, mathematics, probably. So, uh, like and uh, engineering, yeah, I think, I think so. I'm just guessing. Those are, but but I think you're right. STEM, you're yeah, right. STEM, yeah. Yeah, it's it's in Germany. It's mint. It's uh, mathematics, informatics, technology, and natural science. Yeah. Um. Yes, but in the sixth grade, I was in that program and we went to university and started programming ants. So it was a game oh, wow. where, you, where you programmed uh, a simulation of ants. Okay. And uh, yes, then I had computer science uh, up to my uh, abitur, so uh, graduation of, uh, of school. But mm -hmm. uh, in retrospect, I think the, the teaching style was pretty bad. Okay. One of the there was one good teacher in one year, but uh, the other ones, uh, yeah. Most of the time, and uh, a few times, uh, it was actually most of the time. Some pupils, uh, some students knew more than the teacher, and some of the time, mm. it became pretty obvious. Oh yeah. <laughs> for example, if they ask for help, uh, yeah. But now in, at university, I, I discovered my interest and uh, started teaching myself for yeah now one and a half years. And um, yeah, um, now ha having done a few little projects, and now uh, I will do my bachelor thesis also in in that area, as I as I told you, which uh, the title or or the the title it, it uh, may change would be um, AI and machine learning tools to analyze organogenesis with which is the um, the building of organs so organogenesis oh. and then I'm uh, most certainly would uh, will do a master's in um, computer science called robotics cognition and intelligence which is also uh, focused on artificial intelligence and that's uh yeah i i recently okay firstly 2020 but i would say the last few weeks and months more intense uh, yeah doing this and now starting at the at the 
the group uh, at the center of protein assembly. But, wow. but my professor is still in the US, so wow. uh, he's nearer to you than to me. Uh, huh. I don't know. Uh, is, is there some restriction for traveling or something? Because uh, originally he wanted to be here by February and uh, we would have a meeting, but now he's still in Boston. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah. And the second one I would say is uh, languages. One of them particular in the, in the last few weeks. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, it's hard to find the time. What do you mean by languages? Like learning? Uh... Learning languages. Uh, actually, I had to repeat a year in school for the language. But uh, you know, it's different if you want to do it than if you have to do it. Yeah. And now I want to do it. And um, it's the language that it's actually spoken because uh, in school I had Latin. Okay. Uh, now I'm learning French uh, and Japanese, but it's Japanese for, uh, in particular is pretty hard. Wow. Yeah, that's that's what I discovered recently, I would say. How many languages do you know right now? Um, English, uh, of course, then German and okay, in the in the in the order, I would say German, of course, the best then English, then French yeah. and then Japanese. But wow. uh, French, French, uh, I, I was in in, uh, in France a lot of times. Uh, okay. And some of the people there told me my French is better than their English, but for some of them that's not really hard because <laughs> it's it's that way. They they uh, they say it to me also, but uh, I take it in a huge compliment because I don't think my French is that good, and Japanese is I'm just sounding it's so hard. Yeah. Um, I know a few words, a few phrases, but that's all. Okay. So maybe English and German. Nice. How about you? Just English right now, but I need to get way better at my Spanish. Yeah, that's that's what I thought. Um, not that you have to get better, but uh, that Spanish would be the second choice because I yeah. think in North America, Western Hemisphere. North America, yeah, specifically in North America, I think. Uh, most of the other languages is uh, it's Spanish. Mm -hmm. Most of the uh, people that doesn't speak English as their yeah, uh, main you, language speak Spanish, right? If you can speak Spanish, you can probably get by anywhere in the Western Hemisphere. I don't think so. You don't think so? No, uh, I don't know how it is uh, in the U.S., but... Um, I know not so many people who can learn, who can speak Spanish here, and haven't met either in Europe. So, well, not um, Europe. I'm not. I'm talking like North and South America. Okay, because if you say Western, I would say I, I thought you would include so uh, Europe also. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, America, America, yes. Yeah, I, I think so. So but, I'm, uh, I'm working at that. What's what's your process? I, I feel like, like, how do you learn it? Do you do it through like apps? Do you read the books? What's actually, <laughs> good, good to bring up maybe. Uh, last time I was in, in, in France, I bought uh, the French, the famous French philosophers in French. Okay. Uh, but uh, it's a double challenge because I think even in German or English, it would be hard to read. Like, uh, yeah, that's pretty substantial. Uh, <laughs> uh, Descartes, Sartre, uh, and Voltaire. Okay. 
Yeah, uh, but I also uh, bought a science fiction book, which uh, I take a look into, and then I thought, okay, I understand something. Maybe I should uh, start with this one. Uh, yeah, but uh, haven't haven't started yet. Haven't nice. one time I tried, but it's still hard. I sometimes uh, switched ne Netflix to French. Okay. To get familiar with the with the language, but I think uh, uh, the best way is to learn in the country. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, right. I learn with with an app every day. Okay. Um, but I think uh, yeah, you, you learn you learn the words, you learn the phrases, but you don't really learn the language and how to use it. Mm. And that's why. Um, For uh, uh, Japanese, for example, I want to like uh, want to start a um, a book where I write the uh, the signs, the Japanese signs, and okay. learn them there, learning by doing, and then maybe uh, also trying trying to hear it more. Uh, I, I also search for podcasts where you can learn it okay. because I think hearing is very essential, and then maybe. I'm planning on doing a, a, a half a year abroad at my masters, maybe to Japan Ooh, or to, Fra nice. uh, to France, maybe. Uh, we'll see. Um, but uh, as I said, in, uh, I learned more in, in France than at home. So yeah, in, in two weeks than in two years at home. You really have to. And, and it's for me, it's, it's really easy to, uh, to get in contact to, uh, to other people. Uh, Especially there, where, where I'm going, basically every year with my family. It's a okay. little uh, little village at the uh, at the Atlantic, and they also, by the way, have their own Statue of Liberty. Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> uh, because the Statue of Liberty from New York came from there. Okay. Uh, it, it was so, like uh, sailed out of there. Yeah, it was uh, as you may know. It was a gift from the from France to mm -hmm. to the US, and that was the last time so this village uh, to saw Europe. Oh, that's cool. What left to the US? So there have a, a little Statue of Liberty with uh, yeah. French and US flags around it. Oh, that's awesome. And yeah, and uh, meeting there the people and at, at the first time um, I didn't found that many people to speak English with. And then I just translated all the time with my with my phone with Google okay. Translate, and it worked. Uh, and then I found a, a barkeeper, which I meet now every year there when I am there. Oh, cool! Uh, and he he's uh, he's pretty good at English, so that's easier. But I try yeah. to learn French and try to speak a little bit French with him. But uh, yeah, that that would be my my progress going that's there awesome. and learning there. Cool. Well, thanks for sharing oh. that. And uh, thanks for the conversation. This You're has welcome. been great. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to Rich Conversations. Again, you can follow Matsi on Instagram at Matsi underscore. Fill the rest of your day with curiosity and let it lead you to a better understanding of the world around you.